Hello, and welcome to your next episode of Fixing Fitness with Kelly, the show that serves up real talk about fitness with a focus on why traditional fitspo just doesn't serve women in their 30s. Let's talk about what we can really do to get results that make all the effort worth it. Get more on the website at kellymarieroach.com, including exclusive access to my head-to-toe mobility routine when you download my free guide to the five worst exercise cues in the fitness industry. And tune into the Kelly M. Roach YouTube channel for weekly videos offering fresh perspectives on fixing fitness topics. Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Fixing Fitness with Kelly. Before we get started on today's topic, I just wanted to take a second and say, if you are here because you watched the companion YouTube video, thank you so, so much for taking the time to look us up and have a listen. If you don't know what I'm talking about or you haven't seen the video, you can go and listen to me totally geek out over today's topic over on the Kelly M. Roach YouTube channel. The reason I'm so excited for today's topic is that this truly is the key, the only key that I've ever found that makes any sense for why it's so difficult for us to meet our goals. And it turns out that it actually has nothing to do with the common advice about setting a SMART goal or having an accountability partner or any of those sort of things. What it really gets down to is understanding the different types of goals, knowing which one you're setting, and then understanding at the next level down where and why it's going off the rails. And it's one of those things where once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that makes it so easy to implement and start catching yourself out and get yourself on track to meet whatever goals you have for yourself. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Advice on how to set goals has become a business. Ever since the pandemic, there's been an explosion of so-called gurus who are willing to coach you, often for exorbitant fees, on things like your mindset, promising that your whole life will change if you learn one or two secret ingredients to add to the recipe of goal setting. And a quick search online for some advice and basic goal setting guidelines will turn up a dozen quick click results, things that say three steps of goal setting, seven steps of goal setting, 10 steps of goal setting the three R's of goal setting, the seven F's of goal setting, which I've literally never heard of, and the list goes on. Most of these reduce taking action or staying motivated to a single step, overlooking or perhaps ignoring the fact that it's the implementation phase of goal setting that trips most of us up. And the one thing that most of us do, especially in the age of social media accolades, that ultimately prevents us from staying on track and achieving our goals is sharing them or making them public. Now, some argue that publicizing a goal is more likely to keep us accountable for them, but it turns out that this might only be the case when the goal is performance of a certain activity itself. So for example, if your goal is to work out five days out of the week, the only way to achieve that goal is to actually exercise five days out of the week. So sharing this intention could be a great way to keep yourself accountable for doing it. But if the goal is conceptually broader and more identity-based, making it public actually could have the opposite effect. So if you state that your goal is to exercise five days out of the week, but the conceptually broader goal is actually that you just want to be a person with a fit lifestyle, There are lots of other ways to demonstrate being a person with a fit lifestyle aside from going to the gym five days out of the week. 
Peter Golwitzer refers to these goal-attaining activities as identity symbols in his 2009 paper called When Intentions Go Public. He suggested that when a goal is identity-based, a person can essentially flip through a series of identity symbols to reach a state of completeness where the individual feels the goal has been achieved. He says that efforts to bolster self-esteem and affirm general self-integrity are not enough to reach this state of completeness. A person has to actually acquire specific identity symbols. So in our fit lifestyle example, identity symbols could expand to include things like drinking a green juice every day, journaling, establishing a specific healthy morning routine. Doing any of these things should contribute to the feeling of completeness and ultimately achieving the goal of living a more fit lifestyle. But what Goldwitzer also observed and ultimately designed his study to demonstrate was that, quote, Positive self-descriptions made in public qualify as powerful identity symbols, and having an audience for behavioral intentions that specify the successful performance of an identity-relevant activity should have the same symbolic impact. In other words, people should be less likely to translate their identity-relevant behavioral intentions into action when other people have taken notice of those intentions, end quote. It's astonishing to me that this paper was published in 2009, long before the popularity of social apps like Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, because the concept translates so well. Anyone with a smartphone can quickly make a positive self-description public by snapping a few selfies and uploading them with any caption they like to show the world who they want to be perceived as. Having an audience for your behavioral intentions is no longer limited to your immediate or extended social circles. You literally have the potential for every Instagram user in the world to be part of this so-called audience taking notice of your intentions. So why is this a problem? Well, in a 2018 article in Psychology Today, Marwa Azab wrote, quote, The more others admire our goals, the more dopamine rush we get and the less likely we are to execute the future necessary actions to implement them, end quote. She cited Galwitzer's 2009 article and also wrote that, quote, publicizing our intention to succeed gives us a premature sense of completeness, end quote, which basically tricks the brain into thinking the goal has been achieved and then inhibits the motivational circuitry related to further pursuit of the goal. So I know this is a lot, so let's recap for a second. If your goal is related to your identity and there are multiple paths to achieving it, it's better to keep quiet about it so you don't give yourself a false sense of having achieved the goal when all you've really done is gather accolades for saying that you want to achieve something. So this made me wonder, can identity-related goals be achieved through activity-based goals? For instance, if we only set goals that can be achieved via a single pathway and we consistently achieve them, could that ultimately lead to achievement of an identity-related goal? If identity-related goals are problematic because they can be achieved through multiple pathways, many of which, it turns out, don't even require us to actually do anything to gain that sense of achievement, what if you down-selected specific activity-based pathways in support of the conceptually broader goal and set out to achieve each of them? 
So if you go to the gym five days a week, drink green juice daily, get into the habit of journaling and establish a morning routine. Do you automatically achieve the identity-based goal of becoming someone who leads a fit lifestyle? On paper, perhaps, but is it possible that we need an audience to acknowledge that we've fundamentally altered our identity for it to be true? Or can it still be enough if we ourselves believe we've achieved an identity shift? I'm going to leave that question open for now because I do think it's pretty powerful. And instead, I'm going to take a step back for a minute to look more closely at this concept of identity-related goals versus action-based ones and how going public could be the one thing that's preventing you from making progress. So to that end, I have a story. So remember at the start of this episode how I mentioned all of the coaches that popped up during the pandemic and how mindset became more of a buzzword than ever? There are hundreds, if not thousands, of programs and groups that gather weekly in some online space to refocus on goals, get into the right mindset, or have mindset check-ins. And I personally will admit, I have been in about half a dozen of these since 2020. And ultimately, I've left every single one of them because of what we're here to discuss today. I have seen this premature sense of completeness as it relates to goal setting in action. And in this context, I have come to refer to it as the pep rally effect. When you get a group of people together who are all motivated toward a common goal, or even if it's just a group of individuals who are pursuing their own achievements collectively, what happens is this weekly live stream check-in, motivation-boosting pep rally yields zero action. Everyone on those calls leaves feeling like they've put in the work and progress is being made. But when months go by and your business hasn't grown, or you haven't picked up any new clients, or your website still isn't finished, you start to recognize that the dopamine release from getting hyped up for an hour a week is exactly the same as the release you would get from actually hitting those milestones. But since you're getting that sensation from your weekly pep rally, you have no motivation to go out and take real action to move things along. So between this And the validation we get from publicizing our goals and every minute alteration we make in our daily lives in pursuit of achieving a new identity, it's really no wonder that assistance with goal setting has become such a lucrative business. So once you're aware of this dopamine trap and how it might be counteracting all of the positive steps you think you're taking, how can you avoid it? So the first thing that helps is to identify what kind of goal you've set. Is it a results-based goal or an identity-based one? Think back to our hit the gym five days per week example. Is the goal just to do the thing or is there a broader concept that you actually want to achieve? So assuming that most of us are actually chasing identity symbols and a larger identity shift, the second thing that helps sort of has two parts. Part one is getting clarity on our vision. So we've all heard about visualizing our end game, deciding what the dream life looks like, envisioning who we want to be, what that person does, how they spend their day, the kinds of choices they make, et cetera, et cetera, and then setting out to do those things. The problem comes in part two, which I don't think most of us even realize that we're doing. And this is where we start seeking those alternative pathways to make that vision a reality. So why do we do this? 
when we post elements of our vision to social media and we get the validation that we need, that premature sense of completeness, if you will, we temporarily feel like we're on the right track. But when that feeling eventually wears off and we realize we're not actually making the progress we thought we were, we go looking for other ways to make it happen. And these ideas often come from comparing what we're doing to what other people are doing. Social media creates a huge problem here because it's not only a source of endless distraction, it's also a source of endless ways we can trick ourselves into thinking we've achieved a goal when we haven't. People will say to smatter your vision boards, Pinterest boards, Instagram feeds, what have you, with motivational content that will keep you on track towards your goals. But what I am suggesting is that the opposite approach would be more beneficial. Decide for yourself what tactics you want to implement to create that lifestyle shift you're after, and then stick to them by not publicizing them and avoiding self-comparison. Don't keep going back to the drawing board every time you have a setback or feel like you're not getting enough outside attention for the work you're putting in. It's true that progress is never linear, but if you only ever take a few steps down a path before backtracking to your starting point and then picking a different path instead, and then you do this over and over, you're never really going anywhere. The third issue with these identity-based goals is how to know when we've met them. And this is related to the vision boarding thing. So there are no hard milestones to meet. It's more of a feeling we have about ourselves. But if we just keep plodding along, waiting until we feel like we've met our goals, we're probably never going to actually get there. And this dumps us back into the trap of seeking new and different ways to motivate ourselves with new ideas and often empty applause. So how do we quantify feeling as if we've made it to where we want to be? How do you make a feeling measurable? This returns us to the question of whether we are capable of believing we've achieved a powerful identity shift if others don't acknowledge or validate it. Ultimately, I believe it has to be enough that we feel it and believe it for ourselves. This has the potential to blur over into working on things like core beliefs we hold about ourselves and our ability to dismantle and replace those beliefs without input from external sources. But I think fundamentally, it comes down to what living your healthiest life looks like for you and overcoming the negative self-comparisons we make that convince us we still haven't achieved our goals even when we believe that we have. So I hope today's discussion about identity-based goals versus results-based goals has just helped blow the aperture wide open for you about what you've been doing in your own life, what goals you've been setting for yourself, what types of goals those are, and where that dopamine trap and the negative self-comparison has kept you kind of not taking more than a few steps away from your starting point. So thank you so much for listening. I will be back next week with a fresh topic. Go and check out that comparison video on the YouTube channel if you haven't already, and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.